G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Radio in Melbourne with the financial support of the Community Radio Foundation. We come to you on the Community Radio Network through your local community radio station. In our first edition for the year, I thought I would bring you a speech given by Dave Noonan, National Construction Secretary for the CFMEU, at the 2018 Spirit of Eureka Dinner. Dave was receiving the Spirit of Eureka Award given to the CFMEU last year for its stalwart fighting spirit on the field of industrial relations throughout 2018 against a government who has set its sights on unionism in general and the CFMEU in particular. I'm now going to welcome our final speaker onto the stage. He needs no introduction, ladies and gentlemen, CFMMEU National Secretary of Construction and General Division, Dave Moonen! I've written a speech. Um, I want to start by uh, paying uh, respect to the traditional owners of the land upon which we meet, to their elders past and present, to their emerging leaders, one of whom we've heard tonight, um, not emerging, one of their leaders, um, and acknowledging that we meet on Aboriginal land, land that was stolen, that's never been ceded, um, and, uh, and we meet in a country which urgently requires justice, reconciliation, and an acknowledgement um, that a great wrong has been done in this country and has never been addressed. I also want to uh, acknowledge the fact that we're meeting at the Maritime Union of Australia Halls. Um, a, great, a great Australian trade union and, and now part of my own union, uh, the Construction, Forestry, Ma- uh, Maritime, Mining and Energy Union. Um, and just to acknowledge that at the moment there's a uh, large employer group that represents the mining companies, the resource companies of Australia, the Mines and Metals Association, that is in the co- that, that's gone to the courts and it's finding its way. It's been heard by the full court of the federal court this week. It may end up in the high court. You've got a group of uh, uh, resource and mining companies who've taken a case to try and argue that uh, the union should not be able to amalgamate. Uh, despite the fact that members have voted, the democratic decision-making bodies that represent workers have decided to bring two unions together. Uh, They say that the interests of the uh, uh, mining and resource companies of Australia should be allowed to stop and thwart the uh, will of the workers uh, to amalgamate the unions and build a stronger working-class organisation. And you know what? That's never going to happen. I want to um, also acknowledge the presence here tonight of the workers um, who for a lot more than a year now, I I forget it, 526 days, the workers uh, from uh, Esso um, down at Gippsland have been fighting, have been struggling um, against a unilaterally imposed savage wage cut inflicted on them by one of the biggest, um, most brutal 
uh, lawless and reprehensible multinational corporations in this world, and they have not bowed down, they have not flinched, they've never given up to this day. Their struggle is one which is worthy of uh, great praise and recognition, and we stand with them now, today, yesterday, tomorrow, forever. It's the second time I've had the honour to come along and speak at um, one of these um, Eureka functions and... Third? Third time! Jeez, I'm getting old. <laughs> but um, I um, always, you know, try and spend a bit of time just reading a little bit about Eureka to try and understand and, and just frame my history and think about what it means and... There's a few things that I, I, I come across because there's, you know, Eureka's a lot of, like a lot of great symbols, isn't it? That Eureka flag and the, and the history. Um, and lots of people try and um, take that history, take that event, take that flag and symbol and impose their own views and values and thoughts on it. Um, certainly, um, we at the CFMEU and one of our predecessor unions, the BLF, um, have had, you know, um, a great... Um, affinity with the Eureka flag and the history of Eureka, um, but it goes back a lot further than that. But I sort of found out, of course, um, that there are alternative narratives about Eureka. Um, and, you know, I, I sort of went through it all and, and I had a look at it and, you know, Manning Clark wasn't actually that happy about Eureka. Uh, Vladimir Ilyich Lenin had a view about Eureka. Marx had a view about Eureka. Um, but there's a couple that really tickled my fancy recently, and one of them was the Institute of Public Affairs. <laughs> have taken a view about Eureka. So, viewed through the ideological prism of the Institute of Public Affairs, the Eureka stockade was a battle for small business and capitalism. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, well, that's OK. They were small business people in one sense and they were revolting against taxation, so it kind of fits the frame, doesn't it? Um, well, you know, um, so that was one view of the world. Um, another view of the world, um, of course, is evinced by the neo-fascist groups who've tried to um, steal the Eureka flag um, and take it and say that it represents a view of a monocultural... Uh, racist, redneck, fascist uh, Australia. Um, and of course, if you took the thousands of people that participated in the events around Eureka or the few hundred that stood there and fought on that night, you'd find all sorts of people. I'm sure some of them probably were racist. But we know this too. We know that there were British Chartists who stood for socialism and justice and had fought um, many battles for economic justice in their own country and political rights. The Eureka um, principles that they fought for at that time, uh, a large number of them were directly drawn from the, um, from the, um, from the Chartists' own uh, documents. We know that there were German Republicans there. Don't forget the Fenians. We... <laughs> You've got a bloke standing here called Moon and you reckon I'm going to forget the fucking Fenians? <laughs> Jesus Christ. You carry me out before I forget the Fenians, brother. Um, you know, 
And I think about the fascists trying to suborn this, this, this tradition. And I read somewhere that of the, the handful of people who were tried, and I think none of them acquitted, um, um, because although Redmond Barry hanged Ed Kelly, apparently he let off most of the uh, Eureka stockade people, um, or the jury did. Um, there were two, uh, there was one African-American, uh, there was an Afro-Caribbean Jamaican, there was a Jew. Of course, at the stockade was Raphael Carboni. Um, there were people that imbued progressive views and that imbued, you know, and, and reflected a history of struggle. Um, and so many of them uh, went on uh, to different things. There were, there were different, but there were different people within there. So, you know, you can take Eureka as you like, but I want to come back to what that really means because it wasn't very long before the Eureka flag was taken up by working people as a symbol of struggle. You know, um, the Shearer strikes of the 1890s, they carried the Eureka flag. And so it doesn't really matter what Geoffrey Blaney or Manning Clark or, God help me, even Marx thinks about the Eureka flag. What matters is what it has come to mean for the Australian people and for working class people yeah. in Australia. And that's what I want to talk about. You see, um, in the building and construction industry in Australia now, um, and many of you have heard me talk about this before, and, 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 and in fact this is an injustice, but it's an injustice that pales into insignificance with some of the other injustice we've heard about tonight, but still it's an important thing and it's important to look at, when we look at the uh, issue that Greg talked about earlier, the, the, the massive shift to the right of this country. Because the ABCC in this country, the Australian Building and Construction Commission, there is no other, um, there is no other uh, advanced country in the world, or any country indeed I know of, that actually has a dedicated uh, police force whose only job is to go around um, and prosecute workers and unions uh, for um, going on strike, uh, having meetings, refusing unsafe work, putting bans on, um, all of those things. But it's got to an absolutely ridiculous point uh, with the ABCC. I got, a, I got a, uh, a letter from an employer this week that enclosed, um, and they've asked to be kept, um, they've asked to, their name to be kept out of it, but they're a big employer in this country, but it's happening with lots of employers where the government now has actually got a procurement policy which says that if an employer allows the Eureka flag or union logos to be displayed on their jobs, um, then they will be um, prohibited from tendering for Australian Commonwealth Government work. Right? It's a fact. It's a policy. Um, and what I got was effectively the brief that had been sent to this employer by the inspectors, who our taxes are paying for, who'd been around some of their jobs, and they take photos. They go around into the lunchrooms taking photos. Here is a sticker saying CFMEU. Here is a sticker saying Plumbers Union. Here is a sticker saying Seabus, uh, Superannuation Fund. Here is a sticker saying Mates in Construction, which is a suicide prevention program. Here is a flag flying from a crane with a union logo. They call it Union Logos and Indicia. Whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> and and, and um, that's the sort of use that your taxpayer dollars are being put to. And at the same time, we 
as a union and our members and workers in the industry deal with atrocities that we've seen, like, you know, a huge um, uh, kibble full of concrete falling out in Box Hill only, you know, a couple of months ago um, and crushing a worker to death and crippling, to, crippling another worker and injuring another. Uh, you know, we deal with people being uh, killed in the most horrific circumstances and the whole agenda of this organisation is to try and stop workers, go, uh, stop union officials going on jobs uh, to deal with uh, those sorts of safety issues and also with the endemic wage theft uh, that is occurring. You see, uh, Greg comes from Hobart. And the Hobart, Hobart's got a big job down there at the moment, the hospital, uh, John Hollands, um, are, uh, are doing it, a, a company um, which is owned by... Um, Strangely enough, the Chinese government. Um, don't, don't, don't get upset with me, Lenny. Um, but, you know, um, that's OK. We welcome uh, all sorts. But, you know, on that job we had 130 workers, predominantly workers of Chinese background. Um, it came to light hadn't been paid any wages at all for uh, seven weeks. Not a cracker. Um, and the union went into bat and we sat them in the shed and we had a strike and we got the money and we made John Hollands pay them all the money that, the, that they were owed. The subcontractor they worked for, of course, went into the wind as soon as this happened. But every day, almost every day, the ABCC inspectors had been on that job, walking past those workers, you know. Um, no one checked their wages. That's supposed to be part of their job too. None of that happened. So that's the sort of thing we're dealing with all the time. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. You are listening to Stick Together, the only national program focusing on workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. We are listening to Dave Noonan, National Construction Secretary for the CFMEU, delivering a speech at the 2018 Spirit of Eureka Dinner, where he is receiving the Spirit of Eureka Award given to the CFMEU in 2018. But it's gone a bit further than that now because, of course, what we've also seen, because of the fact that the ABCC, as a civil regulator, have been unable to break the union, unable to break the will of our members, and have been unsuccessful largely... Um, in their uh, attempt to de-unionise the building industry, we're starting to see something which is much more sinister, and that is the use of criminal law um, to try and criminalise trade union activity. And I'll just quickly give a couple of examples before I finish. Um, During the Hayden Royal Commission, um, one of our organisers, John Lomax, who's a... um, was an organiser with our Canberra branch. Um, not well known in Melbourne, but in the rugby league states, John was very well known because he played for Canberra Roadies. He played a lot of first grade rugby league. He was a captain of New Zealand in rugby league um, and a bit of a hero, particularly in New Zealand and amongst his uh, Maori community. Um, John uh, was um, arrested uh, by the uh, task force set up, um, joint federal state police task force set up out of the Hayden Royal Commission, and he was charged with criminal blackmail. Um, And he was paraded on the front pages, particularly of the Canberra and Sydney and Brisbane newspapers where he was known because he was rugby league star. Um, 
And uh, the allegation against John was that he had a negotiation with a painting company where the, the members and employer had uh, approached him um, and he had negotiated a significant pay rise for those workers. Um, and the, uh, the federal police characterised that um, as being uh, criminal blackmail uh, to cause um, a loss to the employer because he got them a pay rise from $16 an hour, which, by the way, is below the award rate, um, to $28 an hour with holiday pay wages and conditions and all the things you expect in an EBA. Now, you know, the truth is it didn't even get to committal. Um, we went to the court um, and the police uh, withdrew the, the charge fairly quickly um, and John, uh, they paid the costs and John subsequently sued them for malicious prosecution, which they settled out of court. Um, okay, so you think, yeah, that's a pretty strange thing to do. And then we see the situation of John Setka and Sean Reardon um, in Victoria, again out of the Hayden Royal Commission, where um, the CEO of Borrell, this mass massive multinational, is brought into the box, Mr Kane, uh, citizen of the USA, and he... Um, uh, says to the, uh, he says to the uh, commissioner, I think these guys should be charged with criminal blackmail. And Hayden, uh, the commissioner, says, well, you know, I'm very interested to hear that. Any other ideas you might have, Mr Kane? Um, and, of course, shortly afterwards, uh, John uh, Setka was with his kids at um, Victoria Market on a Sunday, driving back home up in North Melbourne, uh, flashing lights, bang, pull him out of his car, arrest him, handcuffed him in front of his kids, and charge him with criminal blackmail. Sean, likewise. By the way, the reason Setka probably couldn't remember you is that he's probably been in court more times than you have, but always for standing up for workers. Always for standing up for workers. Um, and, uh, and, and, and Sean Reardon was dragged from his home um, and, and arrested in front of his family. And we then went into a two-year process. Um, you know, I stood up and did a press conference outside the court and, of course, all the journos are saying, well, these people have to be stood down, don't they? How can you have leaders of a union who are charged with these serious criminal offences? And I said then, well, they won't be stood down. They're elected by the members of the union, not by Dyson Hayden, not by Tony Abbott, not by anybody else. And, and they won't be stood down because they haven't done anything wrong. They're innocent and they'll be found innocent. And they were. Yeah. It didn't even survive committal. It didn't even survive committal. The police never even took statements from the alleged victims in that case. They simply took um, statements that had been filed by the solicitors for Borrell for the Royal Commission. Imagine a police officer charging someone for a serious criminal offence without even a taking a statement of the victim. That's what happened. So you might think, well, you know, there's a couple of bad things, that must be over now. But I know. Our ACT branch secretary, Jason O'Mara, has now been charged for under the Consumer and Competition Act for um, alleged cartel activity. So I said cartel activity. I'd been watching this thing on net Netflix, you know? <laughs> These Mexican blokes running around shooting each other and cutting people's head off. But no, under the, um, under the Trade Practices or the, the Consumer and Competition Act, um, you know, which is generally prosecuted as civil law, you know, like, there is a criminal section called cartel activity. And Jason, who's the secretary of the branch there now, when he was uh, at a lower level as an official in the union, he held a number of meetings with steel fixing and scaffolding contractors at which they tried to negotiate agreements 
for equal wages and conditions for workers across the steel fixing sector in Canberra and the scaffolding sector in Canberra. Um, and the case that they're trying to make against him is that that constituted price fixing, therefore a cartel. Um, and you'd think it's a joke, but it actually carries 10 years imprisonment, um, a million dollar fine, uh, or 10% of the turnover of the corporation or the organisation that's well, prosecuted. Uh, well, yeah, but Richard give everyone up. Um, but he was as guilty as sin. And, and, and you know, so I, I just go through these examples, um, and they might sound far-fetched, and they might sound weird, um, and, of course, you know, um, none of our people are in uh, stinking refugee camps in, in Nauru or Manus, and, you know, um, we haven't put up with the um, terrible history of... Um, of um, genocide and repression that our First Nation Australian uh, fellow citizens have. But when you look at that shift to the right um, that you've heard about tonight, this is pretty sinister. Because what this says is that any worker or any trade unionist that takes a stand for better wages, better conditions in this country is susceptible not only to civil fines and prosecutions, and God knows those things have been going on since Clary O'Shea and the, and, the, and the penal powers. They're bad. But they're actually taking it up a step and saying, we will try and treat you as a criminal and put you in jail. None of those people I have spoken about have ever been accused of... In these charges, have never been accused of corruption or violence. Or It's simply by demanding better wages and conditions and allegedly straying over some imaginary uh, bargaining line and they're straight into the criminal law. And this is all about intimidation. And, of course, Australians know about intimidation. And this is where I come back to the question of the Eureka Stockade. You see, one of the photographs that these um, great um, Inspector Clouseau bloodhounds of the ABCC have sent... That I, that I was looking at today on the computer that was sent in to me by this company, is actually a photo of the Eureka Oath with the flag. It was on the wall of a lunch shed. And they've put that up there, they've photographed it and they've sent it to the company as saying, you know, this is a breach of the federal government's building code. And I thought, well, that's terrific. So it should be. So it should be. Because never mind what the... A what the IPA say, never mind what the neo-Nazis say, never mind what the historians say about Eureka and about the glorious Eureka flag. What brings Eureka to life and what brings the Eureka flag to life and our history is the fact that even today we have to struggle and we have to fight and we can, you know, uh, and, and the federal government that we've got at the moment and, and, and the right wing of this country actually are prepared to attack working people just for displaying the Eureka flag. Shine. See, it means more than just blue and white. It means more than any sort of meaning that the right wingers want to ascribe to it. What it means to me, and I think what it means to construction workers and to working Australians, is solidarity. Yay. It means unity. It means struggle, and it means a determination to say we never give up, we never bow down, and whatever obstacles are in our way, we will fight and we will win. Thanks, comrades.
Dave Noonan, ladies and gentlemen. That's it for today's Stick Together. Thanks to you for listening and Happy New Year. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. You can get the podcast from 3cr.org.au or you can go onto iTunes. You can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Until next time, stick together. And as I said before, have a happy new year.
Christmas. 